So there's a couple of Mark Twain quotes that uh, that come to mind after watching last night's Tampa Bay Lightning Toronto Maple Leafs game as it relates to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Quote, all this may have been a misquote, but nonetheless, we'll go with it because it's a good story. The reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Another wonderful quote uh, that our man Samuel Clemens, otherwise known as Mark Twain, uh, took great delight in writing. I never wished a man dead, but I have read some obituaries with great pleasure. And there is a lot of snickering going on about the Toronto Maple Leafs from the tractors, casual and hardcore fans alike as well. We're going to get to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs, whatever that thing was last night, uh, and the other games on the go yesterday evening, uh, a lot of game ones, four of them, preview some of the game twos. But in the meantime, I want to play something for you. I want to play you Morgan Barron after the game yesterday. Now, the Winnipeg Jets you know, had their way with the Vegas Golden Knights last night. That was a really impressive performance, not just of goal scoring, and Cal Connor kicked it off, and then Pierre-Luc Dubois, who might have been the best player on the ice last night for either team, uh, really got things rolling. Lowry with a pair of goals at the end to make it a 5-1 to one final. Um, but one of the flashpoint and scary moments of the game last night, uh, Morgan Barron in a goal mouth scramble uh, gets netminder Laurent Boissois' skate, it looked like it was stuck to his forehead just above his eye. Chandler Stevenson tries to, to pull him off and help there. 75 stitches later, he comes back wearing the full birdcage, um, and he's good to go, and a hockey legend is born. This is Morgan Barron after the game last night. What do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, I mean, the win obviously will, will help, but how's it feeling right now? It's actually not bad. It, uh, they did a great job stitching me up, and obviously it missed my eye. So um, I was glad it didn't get me in a really bad spot, but they did a great job fixing me up. The moment that it happened, uh, what went through your mind? <laughs> just trying to figure out if the puck went in, because <laughs> it's sitting pretty close. And then, uh, I don't know, obviously I kind of saw the skate coming, and just an unlucky play, I think, a little bit unfortunate. But um, like I said, I think the first thought was that I could just see out of the eye, so that was the main thing. <laughs> Like you guys, or your your teammates were inspired by the fact that uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I didn't get to watch. <laughs> I didn't get to watch much of the end of the first or the start of the second. But um, you know, it was nice going back to the bench and being up two nothing because it was zero zero when I left. So um, I was just kind of had my eyes closed, getting stitched up, and listening to the guys hooting holler whenever we scored. So it was what, good. What was the final number on the zippers? I'm not exactly sure. Over 75, though we heard. Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, just looking at the play, it looks like Chandler Stevenson at one point actually kind of pulls you back up is that how you saw it as well yeah he said i can't remember exactly what he said to me but he's checking in just making sure it's all right because i think he saw the blood right away so yeah he helped me out a little bit was there ever any doubt that you weren't going to go back in uh no no i uh like i said it didn't miss anything important i had feeling and everything so it was um as long as they stitched me up well just like they did it was it was awesome where the team did a great job in there so all those St. Andrews kids in Aurora, pretty uh, pretty tough breed. Uh, and he came back with the birdcage. And maybe maybe later on in this program, maybe at some point we want to have the conversation, much like we had about mandatory visors. Like, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, Boreas Salmon got stepped on by Gerard Gallant in 1986. And visors didn't become mandatory in the NHL until 2013-2006 in the American Hockey League. I'm of the opinion that it is trending that way, mandatory cages, eventually. 
people get mad when I bring it up. So maybe I'll bracket the conversation for a while. But just know in the back of your mind, that's what I'm thinking. Big night last night. The Rangers grabbed game one. They beat the Devils 5-1. to one. The Tampa Bay Lightning 7-3 over the Maple Leafs. The aforementioned Jets take care of the Vegas Golden Knights 5-1. to one. And the Seattle Kraken beat the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. It happened. We'll talk about it. Welcome to the Merrick Show. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Got former beauties tonight, Islanders and Hurricanes. Uh, Anzi Ranta gets the uh, start once again. He's money at home for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. That one's 7 o'clock start on 360. 7 o'clock Eastern, that is. Panthers and Bruins. Uh, it sounds like Sam Bennett is game time decision. Skated with the crew today. Panthers and Bruins, 7.30 Eastern, CBC Sports at East Ontario Pacific. I'm doing the distribution, folks. Uh, the Wild and the Stars, uh, listen, uh, Game 1 brought us, like, clockwork orange-level violence. We'll see what they have in store for Game 2. The Wild and the Stars, Riley Tufty called up by the Dallas Stars uh, with no Joe, Joe Pavelski available. That one on 360 and 9.30. And the Kings and the Oilers, um, after that spectacular under 10 minutes to go comeback by the Los Angeles Kings in Game 1, we'll see what happens in Game 2. CBC and Sportsnet, watch it at 10 o'clock Eastern. Elliot Friedman joins me now from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Fridge. After two nights of, uh, of playoff action, how are you holding up? I'm doing not bad. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good uh, because the yeah. hockey's been good. And last night yeah. the hockey was uh, fantastic. I know day one it yeah. got off to a little bit of a slow start with that Carolina Islanders game, but the momentum has continued to build and storylines everywhere. I just played the quote from Morgan Barron uh, after the game uh, last night, and we'll get to Winnipeg. But uh, we'll start with Tampa and Toronto. And there's a, there's a couple of things. And I, I read these these two quotes off to kick off the program today. Uh, and it's a couple of Mark Twain quotes. And the famous one, which we can ascribe to Tampa Bay Lightning, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. From the Maple Leafs side of things, Mark Twain once wrote as well, uh, I've never wished a man dead, but I've read some obituaries with great pleasure. And there are a lot of non-Leafs fans taking great delight, great delight, Elliot, in what happened last night. Um, I look at this game and I say it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like going to a buffet. You know, you grab your plate. Uh, what are you going to put on at first? There are so many entry points in last night's game. Where do you want to begin? Well, I think we almost have to start with today's practice, actually. And that is that um, <clears throat> Matthew Nyes is skating uh, on the third line today with uh, O'Reilly yeah. and Achari. And, again, it's practice. <clears throat> so you never know what Keith could be doing here. So he's got Yarncroke on the first line with Matthews and Marner and credit Luke Fox because I'm not at the practice today. I'm, I'm looking at Luke's speed. Um, uh, so I'm not surprised that they're putting Yarncroke up there. I mean, the guy scored 20 goals. You might as well go with yeah. it. But he's got Kerfoot uh, on the left side with Tavares and Nylander. And then he's got O'Reilly with Achari and, and, and Nyes. So it looks like Nyes is going to play. Now, I wondered if Lilligren would play, but he doesn't have him in his top six. So, um, you know, that to me is the is like they're preparing for a suspension for bunting. He's got his hearing in three hours. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see some kind of suspension here. But what we're probably looking at is Matthew Nye's playoff debut tomorrow night. And, you know, put it this way, if, if people like Carnage, 
They got carnage uh, last night. <laughs> uh, they really did. And it seemed as if for the first 20 minutes, um, that was a Maple Leafs team that had a hard time getting the, the car, never mind out of the driveway, having a hard time getting the car out of the garage. Like, it just looked like a really nervous... Uh, team, you know, normally in these situations, you have the visiting team saying, look, we just need to put up with the first 10 minutes. The team is going to be charged up. Uh, they're going to feed off the crowd. The crowd's going to be insane. We just need to keep our heads above water for 10 minutes until until the game settles in. Well, Tampa didn't let the game settle at all. They went on the attack. Three goals all kicked off by, by Belmar, and then Sorelli scores, and Kucherov puts the finishing touches on it, and the Maple Leafs are serrated, uh, serenaded off the ice with boos, as they were after period two, and as they were after the game as well. The Nye's piece is one of all of this. Uh, the impending bunting suspension slash situation is another part of all of this. But on the uh, on the laundry list of things to correct or, you know, get the spot out of the white shirt, where is the goaltending in all of this? Well, look, like he didn't play very well last night. There's no question about that. But, I mean, you know, like they're a really process-oriented team. It seems wild to me that they would go to Wall for Game Two. I mean, look, I, I know mm-hmm. what Samsonov's playoff record is. I, I, I know that he wasn't very good last night, and he owned it. But after the year he's had, are you pulling him after Game One? Here's where I, I've thought a lot about this, and I think a lot of people have as well. I'm not pulling him after Game One, but I think it's already short leash time after dropping the first game like that. Don't you feel yeah, the same way? I, I, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, if it happens again tomorrow night, then I think you've really got a decision to make. But one, you're, I don't think you can make the change after one game after the body of work. I'm saying <laughs> like, do you if disagree another, with me? If there's an, if, if, no, well, slightly, because I think if there's another first period like that, I like if it's a continuation of yes. what... If, if, yeah, if, if there's a continuation of what we saw in game one early in game two, it's, uh, you know, how they, they try to get people off the stage at the awards shows. They start playing the music. If I'm if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm getting the organ music going here. If it's, yeah, if it's I, I, I'm like with you. Like, the first. thing is, like, you can tell Sansonov he's got a short leash. I, I don't think that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. Um, you know, like... You, you know, Jeff, it's like I, I was talking to some, some, some people this morning. Like, you know, you just make your calls the morning after games, what's going on out there. And as you can imagine, like the game that's getting the most air from last night is the <laughs> Toronto game. And, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, like I was talking with GM and, and, and he was saying to me, you don't understand what a game like that does to your organization. Like you're, you're trying to keep everybody like, there's already enough stakes, like big, like there's already a big stakes poker game, right? Like there's already mm-hmm. a lot on the line for the Maple Leafs and their organization, the futures of a lot of people up and down the organization. And then you come out in game one and that happens to you. And, and he said to me, you have no idea. Like you think you're under pressure before and, and you think that things are wild before. He could only imagine what the conversations were. He said, first of all, nobody slept there last night. Like, there's, there's no way anybody in that organization oh, yeah. had a good night's sleep. And 
they're all sitting there today, and they all think. And now, what? What? You know, it's it's true. You have to make decisions that you didn't think you'd have to make early in the series. Like, what are we doing in goal? Although I think I know what they're going to do in goal. Who's going in the lineup? Uh, because you're getting a suspension and you didn't play well. And secondly, how do we make sure that we don't start the game like we did the other night? And like he says, like he says, you can lose game one of a series and no one will panic. But when you lose game one of a series like that, and you've all and, and there's already so much on the line, it, he said it's like mm-hmm. it's like trying to stop a flood. You almost don't know what you have to deal with first. But you, the biggest thing you have to do is try to calm everybody down. Because he said everybody there will be in super stress mode today. Like it'll be the, he, said, he said that today and tomorrow will be the longest two days of, everyone, like they'll, uh, of a lot of those guys' professional existence. Like it'll seem like game two will never get here. You've worked in Toronto long enough to know there is no calming things down here after a performance like that. There is not at all. You just try to contain the fire, but you're not going to calm it down. There's there, there's there, there's no chance. Everything is too raw, nerves close to the skin, all of it. It it sounds great. Yeah, you need to calm everybody down. Good luck. That that, that doesn't happen in Toronto. There's no. Well, I, I could just imagine like uh, how many lines like uh, like. Nick and like Justin is is calm, right? Like he doesn't really overreact. But like yes. Nick and Sam McKee, like they're writing out their <laughs> their like lines for this afternoon show. Yeah, they're all sets. Uh, Sam, and we'll be Sam's right there sharpening his uh, knives. He's like he's sharpening his knives right now for three hours. <laughs> Uh, real quick from the Tampa point of view as well, because there's two teams on the ice last time I checked. Yeah. Um, this was another classic Tampa Bay Lightning game. Um, the goaltending was good. They got production from their bottom six. Uh, they got production from Braden Point, and Kucherov shows up with three points, and so does one goal, two assists. Uh, bamboo shoots under the fingernails, Corey Perry. Corey, playoff Perry. How about that? Well, I, I think that... Uh... I, you know, there were a lot of jokes about flipping the switch, right? I don't know if it's quite that simple, yeah. but I think it's just a mature team that knows what it has to do, right? <laughs> they understand, you know, how you have to prepare and what you have to be ready for. And, you know, I mean, obviously the big deal for me is, you know, what's their health? Um, you know, it, as bad as Toronto played last night, if Hedman and, and Chernak can't play, and we did see Hedman post game last night, and he looked okay, but we didn't see Chernak. If those guys can't play, you know, Toronto is still very much in this series. Um, and it, I mean, that, that's a huge tipping point. So when I, when I, I mean, I love the way Tampa played last night. I thought they were terrific. But, you know, if those two guys are gone for any length of time, even that team, it's a, it's a tough, tough ask to win without mm-hmm. those guys. Uh, it really is. Uh, elsewhere, the Winnipeg Jets went into Vegas and did exactly what we thought Winnipeg was going to do all along. Completely snuff out the Vegas Golden Knights attack and completely ruin Jack Eichel's first game 
in the postseason in his career. Kyle Connor scores early. Pierre-Luc Dubois scores right after. Wheeler and Lowry with a pair in between there. William Carlson on a really nice setup by Ivan Barbashev. Nonetheless, it's a 5-1 final. And that looked like a signature Rick Bonus-type performance. 17 mm-hmm. shots allowed. Connor mm-hmm. Hellebuck is an outstanding netminder, going to get lots of Vesna Trophy love, but he didn't have to be Vesna Hellebuck. They just snuffed out opportunities in the defensive zone. That was that was as good as I've seen uh, the Winnipeg Jets play in a long time, Elliot. What about you? Well, it, well, yeah, it was it was it was true bonus. Like I, I, I like they didn't like they didn't beat themselves. They were disciplined and they were smart, and they they didn't put themselves into bad positions. Um, you know, like normally that Vegas is that team. Vegas is the team that shuts down the middle. And Winnipeg did a great job of it. Mm. And uh, I mean, there, there wasn't much to dislike about the way the Jets the Jets played last night. I, I just thought they were smart. They didn't do anything dumb. And when you do that in the playoffs, you give yourself a lot of chances to win. Uh, you sure do. Uh, quick thought on the other games last night: the New York Rangers handing it to the uh, uh, to the younger and more inexperienced New Jersey Devils. Uh, Chris Kreider was outstanding uh, in this one. Uh, the final score there is five to one, and Seattle shocks the defending champs. Uh, I don't know if I'm Colorado and I'm panicking, but that was a heck of a performance by Seattle. Uh, your thoughts on a Ranger win and a Kraken win? Quickly before we move on. Well, I, I just thought um, the Rangers got going early and, you know, the Devils got into a place where uh, they just didn't, um, you know, they, they were playing from behind and, you know, they they just had a really rough night. I it, Like for the, for their fans, it was probably, well, it's not the same as for what happened in Toronto because Toronto doesn't, because New Jersey doesn't have that recent history, but they, you know, they just, they got, they fell behind at the beginning and they just never really got into it. You know, the one thing someone was mentioning yeah. to me is New Jersey had a lot of, of odd, odd man rushes that didn't go anywhere. You can't play with that kind mm-hmm. of fire if you're the Rangers. You have to do a, you have to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen because eventually those will start to click. You know, as for Seattle, um, you know, we forgot in the pod to mention Grubauer today. Uh, he was really good last night, um, but I got a good sure laugh. Was. Like I guess. I guess McKinnon, there's a clip of McKinnon floating around where he says, someone asks him, what did you think of Groove Hour tonight? And he goes, like, nothing. Like, don't ever change. Like, that guy is hilarious. <laughs> he's pretty intense. Uh, he's a pretty focused guy. We talk about not seeing Connor McDavid's upper teeth this year. Yeah, same for Nathan McKinnon. We saw him smile last year when he won the Cup. And after that, it was right back into into frowns. Uh, tonight, Islanders Hurricanes game two, the Bruins and Panthers, the Stars and the Wild, the Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. And we'll, we'll start with the Canadian squad, the Edmonton Oilers. I have a hard time believing that Connor McDavid will be off the score sheet two games in a row. Um, but I do expect uh, Todd McClellan to game plan around that idea. Uh, what do you look for tonight between these two squads? L.A. winning in overtime fashion, mind you. Alex Iafalo, uh with the heroics. Uh, what do you look for in game two? Uh, Kings up one nothing. Well, you know, I, I like you know the the one thing I, I thought is I didn't think I, I was surprised Edmonton lost because they were up late and they blew the game mm-hmm. and uh, and. Uh, but I didn't think Edmonton was that bad. Like, you know, the one thing, you know, you kind of remember is I was actually looking over it this morning 
But you take a look at um, at L.A., like, you forget that they didn't have Arvidsson for much of last year's series. And you remember, you know, yeah. how much of a difference maker he is. Um, you know, also with Arvidsson, also with the Kings, like, and we did talk about this on the pod, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, you're starting with them. There's not a lot of people that match up with them, but on the short list of players who can at least give them trouble, it's, it's Kopitar and Deneau. And but the one thing Big is time. that McDavid had no points. Uh, you know that he's going to be wired tonight. And I, I think this is a seven-game series. I thought it at the beginning, and nothing I saw the other night changed my mind. Uh, I just really think that the Kings are a smart, disciplined team. And you know, Edmonton dropped their guard. They were they were great for 40 minutes. They dropped their guard in the third. It cost them. And I'm sure that won't happen to them again. Uh, the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers. Uh, it looks like Sam Bennett returns tonight. So that brings a little bit of snarl back into the lineup uh, for the Florida Panthers. And no Patrice Bergeron for the Boston Bruins. Asked if it was you know injury or illness. Uh, Jim Montgomery said not illness. And if, for that to be true, Elliot, given what we've seen you know, punctured lung, cracked ribs, all of yeah. it, what we've seen Patrice Bergeron play with, you know if he's not playing in the playoffs, it has to be significant here. Well, well, at least he's skating. Um, you know, that's the that's the good news, although he's not skating with the group. Um, so, he, so he can't be too far away. Um, but... You know, the the thing is, I'm I'm curious if he got hurt in that game 82 in Montreal, like th- that's going to be like Exhibit A for end of season load management for people. Yep. Oh, I don't I don't disagree. I'm quite surprised that um, that that he wasn't bubble. I know they had the whole thing about you know the greatest season of all time, and but man, bigger picture, bigger picture. But again, to that point, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, uh, real quick, before we get, I want to get to this Kevin Adams stuff, and I want to ask you about the uh, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. Also tonight on the go, uh, game two, I don't know what to expect. The referees kind of let this thing get a little, more than a little bit out of hand in game one. The Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars. Now, with Joe Pavelski out, I mean, Tyler Sagan hopped into that spot to finish off uh, to finish off game one and didn't look out of place. But you're never a better team when Joe Pavelski is out of your lineup. What do you look for tonight? And specifically, what do you look for from the officials? Um, try to put a lid on this thing quickly. Uh, not let it get as violent as it did in game one. How do you think this one gets handled? Well, you know, there's always a debate about the officiating. I, I thought if there was a game where it got out of control, um, it was that one. And it wasn't even so much. I mean, obviously, some of that is because of the Dumba Pavelski hit. But I actually thought they handled yeah. that one really well in terms of how they reviewed it and everything. And yes, but I just thought I after that, there was a lot of like I just thought that game, like there was a lot of stuff that I, I thought was really inconsistent, and it just it just got out of control. They lost control of that game. And the one thing is, I think there are some teams when you face them uh, in the play, or when you're when you're dealing with them in the playoffs, you, you kind of got to know how they're going to be, right? And 
you know, one of the, like, like one of them is Tampa, obviously, because they're a tough team, and the other team is, is probably Minnesota. Like I was watching, you know, Suter, like just he was clobbering Kaprizov all game, <laughs> and probably part of it yeah. is well, part of it because Kaprizov's a star, but you know, he's probably he's probably pissed off about Pavelski. But at the end of the day, like some of those are penalties. Like you, you and yeah. I just thought they lost they lost control of it. And I think they ha- when you're when Minnesota's playing and you have to get to a certain level to play against them because they're going to bully you if you let them. I think you, I think everybody has yeah. to be prepared for that. And I just think that game got out of hand. Um, you know, it's a huge loss. I, I I mean, obviously we don't know what Pavelski's status is, but if he's in protocol, he's gone for a little bit of time, and you hope he gets healthy because he's had concussions before, but. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge now for Dallas is he's such the key of their offense. How do you, um, how do you make up for that? People like the Bens and the Sagans and the Wyatt Johnstons, they're really going to have to step up here because you're losing a 40-goal score. Uh, he is incredible. Uh, we've talked about him before. Uh, a couple of minutes left here. I want to get into the uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, conferences today, Don Granato and Kevin Adams, the coach and general manager of the Buffalo Sabres. I, I thought it was interesting, Don Granato saying he'd be comfortable going into next season with a tandem of Devin Levi and Ukapeka Lukanen. Um, we've talked about this before. That looks and feels and sounds really young and because of it maybe a little bit risky i know they have faith in both of these guys even though it's a very small sample uh for devin levi lucan and really distinguished himself this season as a as a legit nhler before we get to kevin adams your thoughts on don granato saying you know what i'd be comfortable with two young goaltenders well i think that's exactly i kind of thought that that's what they would have to do and you know, I mean, that probably means that Eric Comrie, um, I'd be curious what that meant for him because I, I don't think you want to put him on waivers next year. You're probably going to lose him. So either you're carrying three or yeah. he's getting moved. Um, I'm not surprised they would do that. Like, Levi's the guy now. Like, he's their guy. And Lukanen is still pretty young. And, um, you know, maybe somebody calls them on him and they see what they do. But these are two really talented young players. And, you know, I, I, I think sometimes you have to bet on talent. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still lots of time between now and then they can figure it out. But in terms oh, yeah. of just the, what, the way the depth chart looks like it's supposed to be, they're their number one two guys. So you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting. They said they want Pozo back. I know after a Pozo scrum at the end of the season, there were a lot of rumors that he was reti- or might consider retiring. I don't believe that's the case. I think he wants to come back and play next year. Um, you know, and I think he mm-hmm. wants to, he wants it to be in Buffalo. You know, they said they want to bring, um, uh, there was another player, the free agent they mentioned that they want to bring back. They talked about Jurgensen's too. Um, but the other one was kind of fascinating was they said that they want to do long-term for Delaney and Power, both of whom are eligible yep. to do long-term extensions this year. That'll be fascinating. Like, Darlene is, like, he's in the Norris conversation now. So that's a big, big, big contract. And you know my theory on players like Power. Lock them up for as long as you can because the price for a guy like yeah. that is, is never going to go down. 
You know, one of the things, and this is sort of an, an overriding theme, or maybe this is just me sort of feeling this way, hearing Kevin Adams talk about his team next season. Does it not feel to you as if the, how should I say this? The blocking is over. Like part of a strategy of building a team is you put you put blocks in front of young players so they earn spots, mm-hmm. they take jobs. Do you not get the sense now, listening to Kevin Adams specifically this morning, and even really all throughout the season, that the Buffalo Sabres now are entering the phase where the blocking is over and that these guys yes. have jumped over the hurdles? And so, like, Yuri Kulik, like, if, if you can earn a spot, there's a spot there. There's no one blocking him from taking that spot. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I, I, I believe that. Like, I think there's still some teams – really believe in over-ripening prospects. But generally, if you want to win now, you probably need pretty effective players on their entry-level contracts. Yep. You really do. Um, Let me ask you about quickly Philadelphia before we get off air here. Uh, We talked about this on the podcast a little bit. Um, Vancouver Canucks assistant general manager Emily Castonguay. This part of a uh, a report from our friend Irfan Gaffar. There is how do I say this? There is interest. There has been a conversation. How should we frame this? Um, But there is something between Emily Castonguay and the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyers. What do you hear? What do you know? Well, I think I, I think now it sounds like. I don't know if formal interview is the word. Again, I always get caught up in the phrasing because people try to trip you up on the actual words. Yeah, yeah. But something happened yesterday, I think, with Castonguay and, and the Flyers. I think they, they talked to her. Um, so I'm, And I, I think Candy Granato potentially is on their radar too. The, the other name I, I've started to hear uh, a little bit more is Scott Mellonby. Um, I've mentioned Ray Shiro before. Mm. I... I don't know about Shiro in this particular case. There have been some people, I think, I haven't seen it yet, but somebody told me that there were reports today that Shiro might want to be more of a GM than a president. So, I, but, I, but I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm hearing that secondhand. Um, and now, you know, with the Doug Wilson, as we mentioned yesterday, I'm, I'm kind of wondering yes. about Philly and Pittsburgh potentially for uh, someone like him in more of a president of hockey ops role. But I, I think that mm. very clearly Philly is starting to do their, their interviews and conversations. And so, um, like, like I think Earth is right. I, I think uh, Castingay, uh, again, I don't know if it was a meeting or a Zoom or an interview or what it was yesterday, but I believe there was something yesterday. Okay, one of the uh, the mini stories we're following. Um, excellent as always. Uh, hydrate, get your walks in, get your exercise, your naps, and as good a night's sleep as possible. Day three tonight, uh, 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs continue. Thanks, Fridge. Do you think I can rest and do you think I can nap and walk at the same time? Like I'm listening to you read all those things off. Oh, no. Just wondering. No, you can't. No, you can't. And you know what? Complicating it for you, I know it was a five-coffee day for you yesterday. Which yeah. I don't, I don't oh. know how your heart's going to keep up that pace, man. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not doing that again. The other thing, too, I just wanted to mention is I think <laughs> I think in Calgary, I, I think Sutter and, and the, the organization are just are going through their process now about, like I said, I don't necessarily think anything is mm. going on here, but I think it's their, they've begun their debriefing process, Maloney and Sutter. 
I was going to say, is it normally a, a, this day? Wouldn't this be the day normally that Daryl Sutter speaks? I, mean, I don't a conversation know. Conversation with Don Maloney, but isn't yeah? I had heard that he might speak today, but I don't know that. But that was a couple days ago, okay. not today, will, not like not like this morning. Right. Uh, we'll watch for that. All right. Thanks, Reach. Back to your afternoon. All right. Take care. There he is, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Oh, by the way, uh, really enjoying the analysis on the panel last night uh, from Derek Lalone, the uh, head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. The stuff specifically in the first intermission where he was talking about, and he's a former assistant uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, so he knows from what he speaks, from where he speaks. Um, the stuff that he was talking about with uh, the the defenseman on the blue line, the defenseman on the Tampa Bay Lightning and how they gap and how they gap quickly uh, to snuff out rushes by the Maple Leafs and had all the evidence as just like nailing it. Pick, 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 He's excellent. Uh, Derek Lalone, I know he loves coaching, and I'm not trying to get him out of the coaching ranks and get him on television, but uh, Lalone was outstanding uh, last night, breaking down the Tampa Bay Lightning, his former team, now, of course, head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, We'll hit a break here. We're going to come back with Mike Russo uh, from The Athletic, talk about the Minnesota Wild um, and this Wild series already against the Dallas Stars. So he's coming up in a second. Uh, It's Wednesday. That means Greg Wyshynski from ESPN for MVSW Wednesdays. So lots to get to today. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Hope you've had a full eyeball of hockey so far. Plenty more to come. It's been a great first couple of days. We'll see what day three brings with it. Uh, Quick break. Mike Russo on the other side. Wow. Game one was fantastic. What does game two bring along with it? Uh, We'll talk to Russo in moments. Across the Sportsnet Radio Network and simulcast on Sportsnet 360, it's the Jeff Merrick Show. Back in a moment.